it seems like creatives always get a bad rap. From childlike tantrums and ridiculous green room requests, strange superstitions, and even self-mutilation, it's clear that artists have plenty of strange habits. But they've also made a pretty big impact on the world. Hi, I'm Kate Rooney. And I'm Jess Scuffy. And you're listening to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle, the leading flat rate graphic design and creative services platform. In this podcast, we'll be uncovering the fascinating myths and shocking stories behind the artists we love, or in some cases, love to hate, as we try to determine, are creatives the worst? Hello, and welcome to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle. I'm Jess Guffey, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Kate Rooney, on a Sunday. Hi, Kate. Hello. Good morning, Jess. How are you doing today? Well, you know... It's freezing here, and I'm bundled in like five blankets right now and a turtleneck. And by freezing, I mean 40 degrees. So Yeah, I was going to say, you're in Arizona, so <laughs> your uh, your level of freezing is different from the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, uh, but I'm also cold. I'm in, yeah, sweatpants. I have a heating pad on me just because I'm freezing. My hands are cold. <laughs> I do that all My the extremities. <laughs> I don't know about you, Kate. You probably don't have this, but from living in an area that was you know, abundant with snow for a long time of my life. When I get really cold, my fingertips and my toes like just go numb. It's just like permanent That's... damage. You might want to get that checked out. It's like, no, it's pretty normal. <laughs> if you like have been in cold Is weather, it... my parents have it too. Uh... But yeah, like my ring finger on my right hand just goes completely numb. <laughs> it's kind of like a superpower in a way. For what? If I get stabbed randomly? Yeah, I can start poking people and you won't even feel it. Great. <laughs> let's well, uh, tell me a story because we're just Let's off pretend the rails. like that conversation <laughs> never happened. Uh, yeah, I'm so pumped to tell you this story today because this is a person that I've always really admired uh, but didn't know a ton Ooh. about. And. I feel like my view has changed. I'm going to try to hold off on that till the end because I want to hear what you think, Jess. But I mean, there are plenty of people, plenty of creatives in the world, creative women specifically, (gasps) who are big enough to be recognized on just a first name basis. We were thinking like Madonna, Oprah, Beyonce. But there's another one who has really stood the test of time. And that is none other than Martha. Martha Stewart. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about her and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just clearly one of the most successful home mavens of all time. She's a lifestyle guru. I consider her to be like the original influencer. Even. Yes. Ooh, I didn't even think about yeah. that. This is going to be good. Her whole life and, and story is fascinating. And there's that whole other side of Martha. Because you kind of think of her as like this homemaker. But there's this kind of dichotomy of Martha Stewart is like Martha the homemaker and gourmet chef and all this. But then also Martha the business mogul. Yeah. She certainly is. She's been described as ruthless and savvy and cold. Like I said, I definitely have my own opinion of her. It might come through a little bit, but... As with all of our episodes, everything we say is just our personal opinion and and based off the research that we've conducted. But also, Martha Stewart was one of the first creatives for this podcast that really inspired me while researching. Uh, I would, in the middle of researching, I would like stop and in another doc take notes about creativity, business, brand building, because she has so many insights about it. I love that we're doing someone that's outside the traditional creative space. She's like, I mean, we've done some people that are on the fringe of the typical creative route, but I feel like she's someone that encompasses so many different fields and like different types of creativity that I'm excited to talk about her because she is different than just a straight up musician or artist or whatever, like we've done in the past. Yeah. And I would argue she's almost even more creative. That's one thing that kept popping up in all my research is like how insanely creative she is. And it's important to her all about that personal touch and how to solve problems in creative ways and how to just like display creativity in your home and your cooking and everything. So today, yeah, we're going to talk about her rise to success, her certainly controversial insider trading scandal (laughs) and 
a, a real like kind of deep dive at her business and creative methodologies because she has a lot to say about that. Oh, uh, and it's been so hard to pack in everything that she said because she is such a content creator. She has content everywhere across all these different channels and has done a ton of interviews. And so it's like, I wish I could have pulled every single quote that she's ever said because she has some fascinating ideas, but it kind of had to like pick and choose, but there is a lot. So I'm excited. Let's jump in to Martha Stewart's life. But, let's do but first, it. I mean, do you have any any memories of Martha Stewart? Oh yeah. Kind of growing up or anything like that? Totally. I mean, I feel like my mom would cook recipes from Martha exclusively for a while and like she was yeah. so hot for I don't know what the years. We'll get to that. I'm sure I'll cover that, but sure. I definitely remember her being on TV and like being everywhere and going to Macy's and seeing a Martha Stewart line and all of that good stuff. And then I remember when she got sent to jail and people were like, Martha Stewart is a criminal. Like I remember being a kid and being confused Uh by that. So I'm excited to hear more. We will touch on all of that. But first, uh, so Martha Stewart was born Martha Costera in Jersey City, New Jersey, in 1941. She was the second of six children in a huge Polish family. Oh, (laughs) Kate! Yeah, as you know, Jess, I have Polish roots, too, so I thought this was really interesting. But her family, I mean, they all grew up cooking, sewing, doing domestic things at home. Her mother taught her how to do all those domestic duties. Her grandparents, who were from Poland, taught her the process of, like, canning goods and how to preserve food and her father had a passion for gardening so kind of you see the start of all these things that she learned at a young age and built an empire on and it was said that her dad was very strict and he instilled the values of being self-sufficient and also perfectionism which we'll see is a big thing for martha stewart she's all about perfectionism as many of our creatives are so a little fun fact here, because I know you're such a sports fan, Jess. <laughs> or as At- <laughs> you call it, sports ball. Sports ball. I know you love the sports balls. Uh, <laughs> at-, at age 10, she was a babysitter for some of the most famous New York Yankees, including Mickey Mantle, Yogi Berra, and Gil McDougald. Oh, man. I don't know, yeah. Kate, fun fact for you, but if you ever want to like drop some knowledge of- in the sports ball variety on people... Sure. Look up some Yogi Berra quotes. He has some fantastic quotes that apply to <laughs> life, not just baseball. So that's your homework for after the episode. Well, he probably got them from Martha Stewart. Probably. When she babysat him. <laughs> or wait, I guess it would be, yeah. And another fun fact, she began her career actually as a model. Hmm. And before I even dive into her modeling career, I just want to say that she's had multiple careers across her lifetime not even just this media mogul that we know her as she's had lifetimes upon lifetimes and she's very very smart she was beautiful i mean she is beautiful and she was stunning so she started modeling at age 15 and Dang, was featured in yeah she was in a unilever commercial for chanel damn uh, yeah so i'm gonna send you right now just some pictures from her modeling days so you can get a sneak peek of her style her look at the time if you were to like hold that up to me and ask me who that is i would have no idea she's oh my gosh and a cow in one of them (laughs) you know i love cows she she loves animals she loves animals even to this day i mean she has plenty of properties and on those properties she has a lot of animals and that's part of her every day she's been said that she even has like a special language she uses to speak to animals she was stunning Right? Almost kind of like, uh, I see that kind of um, 60s, I don't know, what is that? It's a vibe, (laughs) whatever it is. It is a vibe. But modeling really paid for her college. Like I said, she was very intelligent. She ended up going to Barnard College in New York. And she originally wanted to study chemistry, (laughs) which, (laughs) right? That immediately made me want to gag just thinking about that. Uh, (laughs) Instead, she double majored in history and architectural history. Okay, interesting. Wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been. She was modeling the whole time to pay for college. And so she's working, doing a double major, just hustling. And she will continue to do that throughout the rest of her life, without a doubt. Seriously, though. 
who knew she was someone that was so involved in so many different types of interests. I mean, well, top to bottom. Yeah. Including insider trading. <laughs> well, speaking of that, <laughs> uh, after college, she started working as a stockbroker in There it is. No, this is not where the scandal happens. This is well before oh, no. that. This is, but she's getting the knowledge for when the oh, scandal. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is where we really start to see her business sense shine through, and definitely her ambition. She's super, super ambitious. So this is in the sixties, and she's making six figures working on Wall Street. Damn. As a female too, because that was a not yeah. the norm back then. Go Martha. That's awesome. Yeah. She worked on Wall Street until 1972, and at this time, she married her former husband, Andrew, and he had funded a publishing house, so that's a little important fact for the story later. But the couple moved to Westport, Connecticut, and this is where they purchased and restored the very famous 1805 farmhouse. Okay. So they, yeah, this became like a big project. They moved in to restore it, and this house would eventually become the model for the the TV studio for ah, her television show. Okay. But it became very apparent that she had this knack for restoring and decorating. She threw everything she had into restoring this home. She was quoted saying, it was not until I left Wall Street that I discovered my true entrepreneurial bent. I loved ideas. I loved building. I loved creating. I loved making things that would enhance everyday living. And I loved making money as a result. See, I think that just touches on, I mean, you and I have talked about this, and I think we've touched on it a little bit in the podcast, but creativity doesn't just mean being able to pick up a paintbrush or like being able to Mm -hmm. sing really well and write songs. Creativity can mean decorating really well or having a vision for something and turning it into reality. Like there are a lot of ways to be creative. And I think she is the prime example of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like she said in that quote, she loves building, she loves creating, she wanted to like explore things and find new ways to do it and how to enhance life in different ways. And we often talk about the difference between creativity and artistry. Creativity is that something that everyone has is how do you solve problems in a unique way? Whereas artistry is is that technical aspect, how to hold a paintbrush, how to paint. Totally. And she has both, clearly. I mean, her artistry is in homemaking and how to create a, a better meal or create a better setting in your home. So totally. At this point, so she's already working on the house, decorating, restoring it, but she also wanted to focus her energy on gourmet cooking, which, of course, a, a lot of us know her for. So she trained herself by reading Julia Child's book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Oh, I didn't know she was self-trained. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, she starts her own catering business from her apartment called An Uncatered Affair. Ooh. <laughs> and <laughs> I love that name. I thought it was <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. very saucy. <laughs> And this was with her friend, Norma Collier. And this business became super successful very quickly because what they would do is they would cook these dinner parties for their clients. And so their clients would pretend that they had done it all themselves. So they'd have like these elaborate settings and beautiful food and invite your friends over. And it's Love like, that. ta-da. Uh, well, things aren't always uh, sunshine and flowers, you know. Because things did turn south when her friend Norma and business partner Norma alleged that Martha was difficult to work with. Probably. Yeah, not a huge shocker, but employees accused her of being overly demanding, sometimes manipulative, and also it's been alleged that she was verbally abusive. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Great. So this is very different from her public persona, which is very warm and charming and welcoming. Yeah. But she obviously had a very, very acute eye for details and had very, very high standards. So it's, we don't know. I mean, these are just, this has been alleged. She's, she kind of has this persona. This just brings up like another bigger topic, though, Jess, of like, would it be the same if she were a man, though? Do you think she would have been called, uh, you know, overly demanding, difficult to work with? Or is it because... She was a woman. I don't know. That's a great point. And another point is we see this often where it's like the dual personality thing where people see a certain side of the creatives and then they're alleged behind the scenes. But you have to wonder, 
not how much of it is true, but how much of it is warranted and how much of it is a reflection of the people that they're surrounding themselves with versus like, you know, like not understanding why they're acting the way that they're acting versus like just actually being an asshole. That's what I'm really (laughs) curious about. Like Bill Murray comes to mind as does Disney for that, because it's like they have these public personas, but they're alleged to be really not great to work with or difficult or whatever you want to throw in there. But I don't know. It's more complex than it seems, I think. Absolutely. Totally agree. I mean, if anything, I, it just seems very clear. She is a businesswoman. Like she means business and she is insanely successful. So maybe that's just part of it. She has to be this way. She can't just be all lovey dovey all the time. Right. So yeah, I mean, who knows? So because of all these issues or, or the problems with Norma and saying that she's difficult to work with, they eventually had a falling out and the business folded. Martha moved on to manage a gourmet food store called the Market Basket. Not as fun of a name, but... What is that name? <laughs> That's so <laughs> stupid. Sorry, Market Basket people, if you still work there, but what? What? Savage, Chess. That's Dang, it's not I'm that so... bad of a name. <laughs> I just feel like... If you're a gourmet food shop, you can do better than Market Basket. That's <laughs> so dumb. Well, they they became pretty successful after Martha joined and started managing it because she brought her eye for detail and her fine taste, and it kind of exploded from there. And at the same time, she's developing her own catering business called Martha Stewart Inc. And we see her very elegant menus in this catering company and just the presentations for the meals would be just very creative, very detailed. But there was also a personal touch to everything where she had all the ingredients were homegrown, uh, mm. organic and stuff like that. Kind of farm to table style. Love it. So she's managing the terrible name, the Market Basket. <laughs> she's also starting her own catering company. And at this time, her husband, Andrew, who I said before, he's, he's a publisher. <laughs> I had to include this name because it's so funny. But he is responsible for releasing the English language edition of The Secret Book of Gnomes, <laughs> which was a Dutch what? book. But it became a huge hit and a New York Times bestseller. The Secret Book of Gnomes? The Secret of Gnomes. <laughs> G-N-O-M-E-S, Gnomes. Yeah, Gnomes. Like the little garden gnomes. Oh, I don't... I can't. And their secrets. I want to know their secrets now. Where can I buy well, this book? <laughs> Let's find out all the gnome secrets. <laughs> What's your secret? Well, I keep all my secrets in my hat. <laughs> this is not relevant to the story whatsoever. I just wanted to point out the name of the book because this was such a huge hit and they were having it. like... <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Your gnome voice just sent me. More gnome secrets. <laughs> Why we come alive what... when the moon rises. Is that what gnomes sound like? I don't know. What what else would a gnome sound like? It's probably They're in the little. book. It's probably one of their secrets. Okay, we're going to have another episode come out where we're just reading that book aloud, but in the gnome voice. <laughs> It's a special episode. So stupid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm back. I'm back. Watch it's like a super serious book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm back. Okay. So, The Secret Book of Gnomes is a hit, of course. (laughs) Is that a spinoff of Secret Life of Bees? (laughs) Yes. It's definitely related. I wish you never brought that up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm back. Oh, just as the church giggles. <laughs> yep. So this book's a hit, and they contract Martha's catering company to cater the book release party as one does. And at this catering company, she gets introduced to Alan Mirkin, who is head of Crown Publishing Group. And he is so impressed with her talents as being hostess, chef, like the food was amazing, the presentation was amazing, that he contacted her to develop a cookbook herself. This whole episode is just making me really hungry. I know. 
snacks. Have your snacks prepared. We should have said that at the top of, the, of this episode. Before you start listening, grab your snacks. Yeah. You're get hungry. Disclaimer. Yeah. So in 1982, she publishes her first book, Entertaining, and it features recipes and photos from all the parties she's hosted. It's very lavish. It also has like a decorating guide. And all the photos are from her Turkey Hill home. And like I said, like these just very intricate table settings, kind of her trademark aesthetic, which is like sophistication, but also with a touch of casual intimacy. So it's kind of warm. It's like anyone can can achieve this, you know, it's like any home setting, but how to put things together. So it looks very sophisticated. You said anyone, I probably couldn't, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to put some paper napkins on the table. Like like one flower in a vase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's about as best as I can do beautiful can't wait for your book to be released just <laughs> now of Same. course this was a huge hit totally catapulted her to success she did her whole book tour was doing speaking engagements ton of television appearances and following this she released a ton of other books too i don't want to list them all but it was like martha stewart's hors d'oeuvres martha stewart's pies and tarts just like all these different themes and yeah appeared on Oprah, Larry King Live. Like she was just like all over the media at this time, uh, just after her first cookbook. In 1987, she signs a very lucrative contract with Kmart, of course, to be there. Oh, I forgot about Kmart. <laughs> right? I know. She was hired on to be their lifestyle consultant. And it really elevated the brand's image because, I mean, they were kind of seen as a uh, lower cost, whatever, Uh, I don't know, home products, but she launched an exclusive line of Martha Stewart home products. Like I said, just elevated Kmart to next level. And she stayed in Kmart stores all the way to 2004. So she wasn't there that entire time. It was said that she considered buying Kmart back in the 80s. She, She ended up not doing it. But can you imagine? I feel like Kmart would probably still be around if she ended up buying it because she's so business savvy and she's so attuned to what consumers want and what they need totally quick note here because around this time this is when she divorced her husband andrew in in 1990 and i didn't really add this much anywhere else but they had a daughter together named alexis i'll kind of touch on her a little bit later but i just want to note that but regarding the divorce, she is pretty savage about her advice about marriage and divorce. And oh, I, boy. I kind of I kind of <laughs> love this quote that she told CNN where she said, I had to sacrifice a marriage because of the lure of a great job, the fabulous workplace. But I don't regret it at all, because what I've done is something bigger and better than just one marriage. Oh, uh, she went there she went there she went there okay yeah it's, good for you martha it's pretty uh, clear she was essentially married to her career and doesn't apologize for it whatsoever hey man whatever you have to do so by the early 90s she's already a household name and this might be a little bit from what you remember just like your mom watching Martha Stewart or her, yeah, cooking from her her cookbooks because it was a household name like everyone had it Everyone had her cookbooks. She was on TV. Wait, she wasn't on TV yet. Sorry, backtrack. But uh, this is when she starts to kind of dive into that form of media. I definitely remember my mom, same. She had all the Martha Stewart cookbooks. And I think she also would host parties and, and reference her books. But despite her already, you know, huge name at this point, she was not satisfied. She's never satisfied. Never. She wants more. So she signs a magazine deal with Time Inc. And this turns out to be her magazine, Martha Stewart Living. The the very Does famous- that still exist? I believe it does. Yeah. I mean her brand like is, does. is Martha Stewart Living. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure it still exists. Also another magazine that was definitely on our coffee table all the time. A quick note, I, I said Time Inc. I've also seen it as Time Warner and kind of interchangeable. So I'm sure there's a reason for that, but I just don't know why. (laughs) But this magazine just had, yeah, super great insights from Kate Rooney. (laughs) But this magazine had cooking recipes. Yeah, hashtag cart facts. 
uh, cooking recipes, decoration inspo, craft ideas, homemaking guides, all those fun things. And the first issue, before it even like came out, had a quarter of a million subscribers. And Damn. yeah, and that quickly grew to over 2 million like overnight. It was just like Jeez. an instant success. And this also paved the way for other kind of celebrity-based magazines like Oprah Winfrey's O magazine and yeah. uh, Rosie O'Donnell's Rosie, which I don't know if we want to even include her in that, but still, it, it happened. Yeah, kind of set the stage for all of these other powerful women to have their kind of lifestyle magazines come out. Damn. And because it was so popular, she ended up signing a 10-year contract with Time, Inc. for the magazine and also the spinoff TV programs, videos, books that came from the, like the Martha Stewart Living brand name. It's crazy. One of the things that's really clear, uh, we'll see time and time again, is just like her marketing mind her prowess for marketing she really understood the concept i hate this word but it's so true of synergy of like having her <laughs> synergy but really though it's, thirty thousand foot view yeah i mean she has her face <laughs> and name across all these different channels and media outlets it's kind of like not just one product or service it's stores tv books magazines like everything there's the there's, interesting uh, part. Sorry, not to interrupt no, no, you, ahead. but I think about this a lot with what you and I do for Design Pickle. Is like oftentimes we're in a position where we have a big project and we have to connect the dots and figure out how it all relates to each other. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's an expert at doing that with her brand. Exactly. Like you have all these different lines, but she's able to flawlessly connect them and make it cohesive and make it still live under one brand. Mm-hmm. And people are never confused that it's coming from Martha Stewart Living, 100%. which is so cool. She gets it. She understands it. It's not by mistake. It's not by accident that all of this fits together. Totally. So in 1993, this is where the Martha Stewart Living show appears on TV. And this was originally supposed to be a once a week, half hour series. But once again, because it was so popular so fast, it expanded to being a daily show, an hour long every day. Wow. And it became one of the most watched morning program shows in America at the time. I wonder, this is just total speculation, but I wonder if you take that show and put it in today's time and like culture and environment, if it would be as successful, because I feel like people our age are not as interested in homemaking or crafts or making table settings or things like that. Like there are some, uh-huh. but I feel like with the amount of women in the workplace now and how normal that is, I wonder if it would be as successful nowadays. Well, that's an excellent point. But I think as we'll see with Martha Stewart, she's very resilient. So that worked at the time, but she's still very, very active today and very popular today. Totally. And some of what she's doing, has, like her focus has shifted to things that are more popular today. So agreed. I mean, she's kind of like moving with the times and in the 90s. Yeah, everyone, we said like, oh, this is huge. Our home's growing up. That's what was popular. Very different post 2020, but we'll come to find that she uh, she never lost her footing. So doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Now, although she was the face of all this stuff, I mean, it was like the Martha Stewart living show, she did not own the rights to all this. It was owned by Time Inc. slash Time Warner, what have you. Interesting. Uh, But in 1997, she leveraged the profits from her Kmart deal to buy her magazine from Time Inc. for an estimated $75 million. Jeez. Uh Uh-huh. And this is where she founds her own company called Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia. Makes sense. She became the chairman and CEO of this brand. And it is like a huge conglomerate. I mean, when you think of Omnimedia, that's kind of like everything. Yep. And it really is because it's the the parent company of all of her projects from publishing and merchandise, everything in between. And two years after this, she lists the company in New York Stock Exchange and went public. This caused quite a stir, but the stock prices for the brand totally skyrocketed. And because she owned 60% of the shares, she became a billionaire overnight, and it she was Damn. the first female self-made billionaire in the United States. 
I did not know that fact about her, but that, again, does not surprise me one iota. Right? I knew she was just like a mogul and all this stuff, but she's making history here. And it was all self-made. I mean, this was her brand. She started it just by having her own catering company and was just so talented and creative at it and had that business mindset. I mean, she worked on, on Wall Street and she worked very hard in college. So yeah, and in 2000, even the brand reported of profits of over 21 million with annual sales of over 285 million, and it would just continue to grow Jeez. over the years. That's those are astounding numbers when you think that she did that all on her own. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she had a home in Connecticut, but when she grew up in her big old Polish family, I mean, they were very much working class, just kind of like normal lifestyle. So she's very much like she pulled her, I hate this phrase, but she pulled herself up by her bootstraps and, and got to work. Uh, and that shows. So, Co Martha. Who is the pickle's favorite artist? I don't know. It's Salvador Dilly. Ha <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, okay. That that joke was the worst. But you know what's not the worst? Design pickles flat rate unlimited creative services. No, it is not the worst with Adobe source files included, brand profiles, unlimited users. Smart designer match. We could go on and on all day. There's a reason why Design Pickle is ranked on the Inc. 5000 two years in a row. And you know what else isn't the worst? If you're listening to this podcast, you get $100 off your first month of any plan if you use the code WORST at checkout. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Use checkout code WORST. It's W-O-R-S-T, all caps. And you can get $100 off uh, any plan. So essentials our pro plan, our custom illustrations plan. Start creating. It's awesome and so fast and we love it so much. And we're back. So let's set the scene for this next bit here. It's 2000. It's the new millennium. And as we've seen, Martha is killing it. She's savvy. She's worked on Wall Street. So it's no surprise that she's investing her money, has a very diverse portfolio, and she owned stock in a biopharmaceutical company called Imclone, okay. which is like a, a drug manufacturer for cancer patients. And in 2001, she just randomly sells all of her Imclone shares. Uh, two hmm. days, yeah, hmm, a little sus. She, hmm. <laughs> two days later, Imclone's stock falls 16%. And that's after it was publicly announced that the FDA had not approved their latest cancer drug. And because she sold all of her shares, she avoided a loss of around $45,000, which is like probably nothing for her, but still. If you're a billionaire, right? that's probably, yeah. Uh-huh. So at this time, one of the Imclone founders, Dr. Samuel Waxall, he was arrested for advising friends and family to sell stock before the announcement. And while this is being investigated, it came to light that Martha had sold all of her stocks right beforehand. So like we said, super suspicious, suspicious timing here. And because yep. of that, Martha comes under federal investigation for insider stock trading. Just for listeners, insider trading is just where someone buys or sells stocks they have in a company using information that is not available to the public yet. And that's exactly what happened here. So at this point, Martha is just completely denying it, denying any wrongdoing, and claimed that she had an agreement with her broker to sell shares if they hit a certain price. But her broker's assistant claimed that he was told to tip her off. And it's pretty clear that that's what happened. Oh, Martha. Oh, man, Martha. And during all this time, she's still very much in the public eye. Of course. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and because of that, drawing just heavy media scrutiny. Uh, (laughs) During a a regular cooking segment she was on, on on CBS, the morning show, she gets grilled about this whole debacle. And (laughs) (laughs) while, (laughs) while the reporter is grilling her, asking her all these questions, she just like continues to chop the cabbage and says, (laughs) she responds, (laughs) I love this. She responds, I want to focus on my salad. And that very like the most Martha Stewart I response. Know. I'm just thinking because I, I have when you think of Martha Stewart and she kind of has that like kind of calm, dry voice of like I want to focus on my salad. 
focus on the task at hand here. So, in, so funny. <laughs> in June 2003, she was indicted on nine counts, including charges of security fraud and obstruction of justice. She That's why you don't lie, folks. Uh, yeah. Truth she, always she, comes out. But because all this is happening, she steps down as CEO and chairwoman of Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia. She does stay on as chief creative officer because, I mean, her brand, she has the creative touch. But then in 2004, this is when the trial begins amid a crazy media frenzy, of course. She refuses to testify, maintain her innocence still throughout all the proceedings. But it's pretty clear. I mean, again, she was on Wall Street before. She has a ton of experience as a stockbroker. So her whole argument of being like, oh, it's just, I didn't know about it. I didn't know about these trading regulations. It's, it was pretty clear that that was not true. That's what I meant when I said there it is when we found out that she was on Wall Street, because I actually didn't know that, but it makes so much more sense because that's, none of that is by accident, which now that I say that out loud, you would think would signify to her that she shouldn't be doing something like that when you know the regulations as well as you do not have to work on Wall Street. Especially, like we said before, $45,000, which is a lot of money for most people, certainly would be for me. But for Martha Stewart, who's a billionaire already, why? (laughs) Why did you do that? You just wonder, like, how you get to that decision. Is it pressure from other people? Was her you know, broker pressuring her to do it. Like, probably. I, I just, I wonder what gets people to that point, especially her. She's so methodical and smart mm-hmm. about her decisions. It's like, it's not your character, Martha. I don't get it. Come on, Martha. Of course, she was convicted on four counts of obstruction of justice and lying to investigators and was sentenced to five months in prison, followed by five months of house arrest. Well, we all know. I mean, you said at the top of the episode, Jess, that you remember when she was charged or went to prison. I certainly remember that, too. And there's a lot of jokes about it and stuff like that. It's kind of an interesting time. Without knowing the full backstory, it was like, immediately assume that she was just like, I don't know, she definitely deserved it and all this stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's such an interesting dichotomy of, again, Martha, the homemaker this gourmet chef and then martha the prison inmate (laughs) (laughs) just saying it out loud it's Uh i mean i remember as a kid specifically having trouble wrapping my head around it totally public personas are that you know strong and cemented into society like hers was at that time you're like wait but no this doesn't this Mm -hmm. doesn't add up in any way no Fun fact here, she did request to serve her prison time at a facility called FCI Danbury, and this is where Piper Kerman served her time. She's the author of Orange is the New Black, which became the show on Netflix. Uh, She ended up not going there just because they knew it would kind of be like a media circus if she did. So instead, she had to serve her time at federal prison camp in Alderson, West Virginia, which is a very Sounds remote, terrible. yeah, oh yeah, it's a very remote location, kind of middle of nowhere, and it was speculated that the judge sent her there on purpose, like to make an example out of her. We don't really know, but so in October two thousand four, at sixty three years old, she shows up and begins her sentence at wow this facility in West Virginia. (laughs) So obscure. (laughs) We don't have a ton of information about her time in prison. She hasn't spoken about it outright, other than just saying how horrible it was. In this quote here, she says, the worst part about prison, the dementors. Oh. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) uh, that's that's a quote from The Office, which just has not watched. But I'm sure 93% of our listeners would understand that reference. Slap my hand. Yeah, yeah. I take full responsibility for it. No, what she actually said was it was horrifying. And no one, no one should have to go through that kind of indignity, really, except for murderers. And there are very, oh. there are a few other categories, but no one should have to go through that. It's a very, very awful thing. 
well, yeah. <laughs> you should have thought about that. I can't imagine it would be fun. No. Should have thought about that, Martha. <laughs> Another prisoner shed some light on her time. And I, I don't know, again, how true this is, but this was suggested that Martha was singled out and humiliated by the staff. She was denied kitchen duty, which you would think would be like the one thing that yeah. she would love to do and was instead assigned to cleaning the warden's toilets and stuff like that kind of denigrated that way that wouldn't surprise me at all Uh uh-huh she told vanity fair at one point that her prison nickname was m diddy oh okay all right and during her stay in this facility in december she posted an update on her website to fans and insisted that she was doing fine said that she's had time to think time to write time to not eat the bad food she was very adamant about how terrible the food was saying that like the food was expired and all this stuff like that well yeah i mean <laughs> eating gourmet food your whole life well not your whole life but for the past uh, 20 years yeah she, she had to get creative with it she would experimented with like microwave meals and find new ways to create like gourmet microwave meals in prison and allegedly would pick apples from the prison grounds to make contraband jelly <laughs> That's so sad. (laughs) It's so Martha Stewart. I love it. Uh, So once she is released after serving five months, she had to serve another five months under house arrest. And she did this at her winter home, quote, winter home, which is a 153-acre estate in New York at the time. It was worth $16 million. (laughs) Sounds so terrible to serve house arrest there. I know. She had to wear her ankle monitor, of course, and... She found it to be irritating and uncomfortable, and so she did her research on how to remove it. <laughs> oh my god, Martha, come on. She also said that she hated her time in home confinement more than prison, which I find hard to believe. That Maybe that was taken out of context, I don't know. But regardless, even while she was in her house arrest... She did not stop hustling. She quickly snapped back to her whole mogul mode. Her brand, Martha Stewart Living, continued to grow. Her Kmart line expanded. And she had a huge comeback on television at the same time. While she's still under house arrest, she's producing new television shows. And Of course. So she returns to her daytime television show with The Martha Stewart Show, but then also does a reboot of The Apprentice, which, of course, yeah. was a popular show at the time. And this was called The Apprentice Martha Stewart. Our good pal uh, Donald Trump was a producer of the show. Like I said, it was no a spinoff. <laughs> it was a spinoff the, the original, but it centered on her areas of expertise. So media, culinary art, entertaining, crafts, all that jazz. And the winner was to receive a $250,000 a year job at Martha Stewart Living. Hmm. So, like I said, it's like the same format and formula but just injecting martha stewart's own brand identity into it and from like the topics but then also just like instead of saying you're fired uh when someone's fired she would say goodbye and then would write (laughs) (laughs) would write cordial letters to the candidates who were fired so she added that kind of like homemaker personal touch to all of it they filmed segments (laughs) of this in her home where she was serving house arrest the Apprentice, but make it domestic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But it, the show flopped and was not renewed for a second season. It was just this kind of sounds pretty terrible. Sure. But despite all these legal issues, the brand just continued to flourish. She started more shows, wrote more books, dabbled in real estate. She launched this whole like line of houses in North Carolina, which apparently... Wait, a line of houses? Yeah. I actually wrote this in my what notes. What does that even mean? Which is apparently a thing you can do. <laughs> I don't know. I think that they were like manufactured homes, but like based off the Martha Stewart style and, and brand. Uh, inspired I did not by, know that was a thing. Yeah. You mentioned Macy's before. This is where she launched her upscale line of housewares for Macy's. And this was the largest brand launch in Macy's history at the time. Doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. She had a partnership with Gallo Wines and produced a whole uh, wine label called Martha Stewart Vintage and a frozen food label in Costco. Now, this isn't even all of it. That's just to name a few. She still had a ton of other partnerships and projects that she launched at this time. That's crazy to think about the magnitude of that. I mean, one of those deals alone, people would be stoked on, but she has 25 million of them. 
and not small names, Macy's, mm-hmm. Gallo Wines, Costco. Are you kidding me? There was also, I mean, I saw there was, she had one with Home Depot and just like every big name out there had a Martha Stewart product, it seemed like. Damn, her agent is loaded. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, she's loaded. So clearly, like, she's a very fascinating figure. And this is, now we're getting into like more recent years. But it's clear that like, her business sense is so fascinating, but so is her rise from the ashes because she did not stop after. I feel like most people, if they had a huge insider trading scandal and had to go to prison, that would probably be like the end of their career, but not I mean, Martha. Look at Aunt Becky wasn't insider trading, but she's not allowed back on the Hallmark <laughs> channel ever again. So that whole thing. Oh man. But she's still able to laugh about it. And one thing I found in all of my research is Martha Stewart is funny. She is so funny. She has a great sense of humor, which you might not expect. It's kind of like that dry sense of humor, but it's it's great. She actually just went viral recently for one of her Instagram posts because she posted like a really funny caption making fun of influencers and (laughs) I'll have to find it. I, I have that in Perfect. my notes. She appeared on the Comedy Central roast of Justin Bieber. I don't know if you recall that. <laughs> uh, and she she gave him tips to use when he inevitably ends up in prison. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you mentioned I'm surprised her. that hasn't happened yet. Uh, well, uh, we'll see what happens in 2021. But... At this roast, she allegedly got a secondhand high off a of Snoop Dogg's smoke. He was <laughs> I knew there Snoop at the Dogg roast. Was be in oh here yes, yes. Uh, she, said, she said Snoop must have smoked ten giant fat blunts, and I inhaled all that smoke. I felt really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to point out that she says she's like never smoked weed. Like she, that's not her thing. But, sure, sure, Martha. <laughs> tell us. Uh, actually, she did smoke once with her husband, but then couldn't remember anything. She said, never again. But let's talk about her friendship with Snoop Dogg, because it is... So happy you have this in here. <laughs> so awesome. It's so great. And so obviously, they hung out at the Comedy Central roast. But they met in 2008 when Snoop appeared on her show, Martha Stewart's show, doing like a cooking segment. I think it was like they were making mashed potatoes <laughs> together. <laughs> But immediately they had so much. They oh man, Snoop Dogg. Did you see his bit on the New Year's Eve thing with uh, Anderson Cooper? Yes. You have to go back. It's so funny. It's so funny. All the different places that Snoop Dogg has gotten high at a bris, (laughs) but not at the DMV. It's a hilarious bit. And Anderson Cooper looks like he's going to keel over. He's laughing so hard. I love him. But Snoop Dogg and Martha, man, so he appears on the show and they immediately just have great chemistry. Just they hit it off. They just have great banter (laughs) with one another. And they eventually team up to create their own show on VH1 called Martha and Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party. (laughs) I just don't even have words because how confusing is that for like her original target demographic to see her with Snoop Dogg? But we touched on this moment ago where you said, well, that's, it's so weird. Do you think her show would still be popular today with all this stuff? But like, she's so savvy that she knows what's trending. She knows what's going on with the times. It's not to say that her, her friendship is just like purely business. We, I mean, it seems like they really do have a genuine friendship, but she's like <laughs> keeping up with the time. She knows what's cool. Oh, yeah. And Snoop Dogg is cool. She gets it. He will it. always be cool. And Again, speaking of her being cool and up at the times, in 2014, she did an AMA on Reddit, which is Ask Me Anything, where certain people, figures, or celebrities can come on, and people on Reddit, which is like a forum, can ask them questions, uh, ask me anything, and they answer. So she does this AMA on Reddit, and it is amazing. I encourage everyone to go check it out, because she's very open, and again, like, her humor shines through. She's also, like, very blunt in her responses, which is great. People ask her for Martha Stewart for sex tips, and she said she advises to take a shower before and after and be sure to brush your teeth. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. very good tips. Yes, Martha. She was asked if she had any cool prison tats, and she said, I would never, ever deface my body with tattoos. Oh, okay. <laughs> her favorite singer is Pharrell, 
And it was asked if it was true that she paints over the souls of her Louboutins. And I don't know where this question came from, but apparently that was like a rumor that was floating around. And she said, it's true. One of my rules is not to be a slave to fashion. So... But then why are you buying Louboutins in the I know, first I didn't place? Really, I mean, <laughs> I, I did not fully understand that. I clearly do not own any <laughs> Louboutins, but is it just like because the quality is really good, but you don't want to show off the I mean, brand? Or? The quality is really good, but like if you're, I don't know, I feel like that's just a dumb thing to do. She could buy <laughs> other brands that aren't as recognizable as a red sole. Yeah, like Skechers. Okay. <laughs> Does she have a line with Skechers? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Honestly. I wouldn't be surprised. Me either. So we get into the year 2020 where, I don't know, it's kind of a crazy year, one would say. <laughs> but it didn't hold Martha back at all. She's not. still creating so much content. So much content. I cannot get over the amount of content she creates on a daily basis. Like you said before, Jess, her Instagram game is on point it is amazing her youtube channel is massive and is still getting like a ton of followers and subscribers there i think that this is the post you're referencing but she went viral for her kind of like sexy quarantine coming out of the pool shot is that yes, the one you're talking about yeah yep. which she's what like 78 and she looks she's uh, 79 i was just gonna yeah. say that like she must either be that savvy which is very likely or surround herself with younger people which is also likely to be able to do that when you're 80 years old and like mm -hmm. keep up with the times like she has but it again it doesn't shock me about her because she's done that her entire career mm -hmm. and she also in this year she launched a new gardening show on hdtv called martha knows best so we're talking about these older like the martha stewart living show where it's about homemaking and stuff like that in 2020, we have this pandemic, everyone's lives kind of shift and she adapts. She always adapts. So a lot of people are doing gardening now. She has experience in gardening. So she's going to create this new gardening show, inject her expertise, her knowledge, probably like, you know, she can leverage her more recent, like her friendship with Snoop Dogg and stuff like that and gain a new audience. And it's been a hit. I could probably take some tips from her. Right? How, how not to kill plants 101. Oh, that's why I just buy all plastic. That's my exactly. gardening tip. <laughs> buy fake plants. In 2020, she also partnered with a cannabis company called Canopy Growth and launched a whole line of gourmet CBD products. This is not very different from like marijuana, that kind of <laughs> weed. <laughs> cannabis <laughs> it's not thc thank you which is marijuana not thc it is CBD. cbd so it's all about like wellness but this line has like wellness gummies and oil drops but they're all like very gourmet and she has flavors like kumquat blood orange and huckleberry <laughs> like that i'm gonna have to check that out <laughs> i know they actually look like, really good and it's supposed to like be calming and, and whatnot yeah so with all of this i've said this over and over again, she's clearly a very savvy woman. And in 2019, her net worth was approximately $620 million. She's self-made. She's very proud of her success. As she should be. Absolutely. Earlier, I mentioned her daughter. But Martha Stewart has been very open that she's never really been able to separate work and home life. She's just like in that constant grind. It definitely affected her marriage. And her daughter, Alexis, wrote a book about her mother. Why are all these kids out here dragging their creative parents? <laughs> I <laughs> like, know. What? Let them live. Well, I mean, if you think about it, too, it sounds like they kind of had a kind of a rough relationship in the beginning when Alexis was growing up or a more complicated relationship. And now that they're older, they're a lot closer. Alexis is very protective of her mom and her brand. But it's almost like, hey, man, if you're going to grow up with Martha Stewart as your mom and kind of like you're almost set up to be a perfectionist and it was kind of rocky because <laughs> her mom was all about work. And right. it was said that she had like a very hands-off approach to motherhood. So maybe this is like, her way of coping with it. I don't know. But it was said, I love this quote. Her, Alexis said, I grew up with a glue gun pointed at my head. <laughs> so that kind of gives you a oh hint into what it was like growing up. Like I said, like they had a rough go in the beginning, but now they have a better relationship. 
that's all kind of off topic because what I really want to talk about is this book that Martha published called The Martha Rules with the subtitle of 10 Essentials for Achieving Success because she's so creative and she's like fantastic chef, hostess, all of that fun stuff. But she's obviously like she really understands how to grow a business and how to build a brand. And when she explains it, when she gives advice, it's very actionable advice. This is what I was talking about when I was like, I was writing things down like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to share this with the design pickle team because this is excellent advice. So I kind of want to paraphrase some of these 10 essentials for achieving success because it's incredibly insightful and handy information to have. So if you are trying to grow your business, grab a notepad and a pen because here are some hard facts or some uh, helpful tips. So first off, find and follow the big ideas. Love it. Which is really like, take a look at your own problems and frustrations, which we see a lot of entrepreneurs do. They're trying to solve their own problem and then find that and then put your focus and creativity in that. So she's very big on that. That's how Design Pickle was founded. Exactly. Yep. Also, take calculated risks. She's a huge risk taker, clearly, but in very calculated way. So I loved this quote that she had, where business is all about risk, assessing risk, managing risk, prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, and intellectually, and you will be able to differentiate a long shot from a good, well-calculated risk. Love it. Mm -hmm. I love this one. Another essential is understand the value of good design. Because uh Did you write that one? Yeah, yeah, because she understands that consumers want and love beautiful, well-crafted solutions. Like they don't, in the world where everything's kind of like cheaply manufactured and stuff, like really value good design when it comes to your product or services. We always say that about packaging. We're suckers for good packaging. Mm -hmm. And it it definitely makes you stand out from competition. Yup. This one is... Kind of look at everything with a telescope, a microscope, and a wide-angle lens. And what she means by that is all successful executives should be able to change their focus from, like, big picture to small details on a regular basis. You're not just, like... I love that. If you're only looking at one, you're going to miss the other stuff. So you have to be able to shift your lens every day for success. That makes total sense. Mm -hmm. The next one is build an A-team. So this makes me think of when you said, wow, she must like surround herself with young people and people who are savvy and her agent, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, because that's one of her tenets of success is you need to seek out and hire employees who are have talent, energy, optimism and generosity, all these things she lists out of what an A-team would require and, and make sure that you hire those people and keep them on your team. Yeah. Next up is find opportunities and challenges. Basically, what do you do with lemons? You make lemonade. <sighs> Damn right. <laughs> yep. I mean, just like with her whole prison stint, she didn't let that bog her down. Like she could have just, you know, faded away from the limelight there, but she didn't. She says to always be in control and don't panic because there's always something else coming on the horizon. Next up is quality first, which kind of ties into good design. But Martha states that it's important to instill this within company culture right away. Mm-hmm. So embracing quality at every level. You should never sacrifice quality when faced with challenges. It should be a focus. It should come first. And she stated that quality doesn't have to be only for the wealthy. You can still have high quality products and services for the larger community. So also, Jess, you'll love this one, smart, cost-effective PR. So she's been saying that you should approach marketing with creativity and common sense and always find ways to convey to potential customers of all the good things that you're doing. So PR, of course, finding ways to do that in a cost-effective way, which when she was first starting out and doing her catering business, she put her name out there. She would write into magazines, newspapers about herself, and that's like how she got her name out and and started buzzing. She's definitely very PR savvy, but the important thing about that is letting potential customers know about all the good things you're doing always. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now, I love this next one a ton too. I mean, I love all of these, but next up is learn by teaching others. And she's huge on this. Mm. It's She thinks it's so valuable to share your knowledge with customers. It'll help you build a deeper connection. And she repeats this phrase called inspire and inform, 
which is basically you're setting up the stage for someone. So maybe it's like you have a picture of a table setting and very aspirational, like people want that. But then you have to teach others how to achieve it. And that's how you Mm. get new customers in the door. But you can't teach stuff unless you learn it. So she's very big on learning something new every day, which is something that we talk a lot about design pickle is learn something new every day, but then always tell other people about it. Yep. If, if you just learn something, it's it's kind of useless. Like you want to share that with other people. It helps you grow and helps other people grow. And say it seven times. Mm, exactly. <laughs> We're going to repeat <laughs> the all of these. Motto. We're going to repeat all of these seven times. It's going to be a long We're episode. We're just going to loop this episode so that it plays seven <laughs> times. <laughs> oh, and lastly, pursue your passion. She is a very passionate person as we know, uh, and she's said there's no single recipe for success, but there is one essential ingredient, and that is passion. So snaps to that. Snaps. Snaps all around. Go, Martha. So those are her 10 essentials for success. Any thoughts on those, Jess? I mean, they're all perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't argue with any of them. <laughs> you can take them, and like you said, they're super actionable. You can apply them to any type of business, I think she didn't just focus on lifestyle or cooking or whatever you can take them and apply them across the board Mm -hmm. which is major key yeah this book was really for entrepreneurs and people who are starting a business or trying to grow a business literally while reading all of this and researching it i was writing down notes of like oh that's a good idea for design pickle of literally product ideas and stuff about how can we improve the quality of this and whatnot so it really it really got me to thinking and um I'm sure other people will be thinking after they listen to Mm -hmm. this as well. Or they're just going to be thinking about how dumb we sound. Or they're just going to drink some orange juice and go to bed. (laughs) Take some of our (laughs) CBD gummies, the orange flavored ones, and take a nap. Yep. (laughs) So despite all this, she still kind of has that reputation of being cold and and hoity-toity. I actually wrote down that word. Hoity-toity. What a great phrase. No idea, but my mom used to call people that all the time back in the day. Hoity toity. I feel like that comes from newsies or something. What? Regardless, <laughs> she's still very much admired by fans and, and people in the industry. And I feel like one word to really define her is resilience. I mean, she is self-made and she's had plenty of setbacks, but it never stopped her. And if anything, it just made her more popular and drove her to grow more and keep working. She is a hustler. I didn't even have time to fit this in, but she said that she only sleeps four hours and wakes up before the roosters. And What? It's, she was asked, like, what do you do if you get sick? And she's just kind of like, what? I don't get sick. <laughs> basically saying like that's a waste of time why would you get sick <laughs> as if you have a choice over it <laughs> mind over matter i guess sure <laughs> i don't know uh, she's she's certainly a risk taker without a doubt and new york magazine called her the definitive american woman of our time and a living trademark a living trademark mm-hmm. love it but she is i mean martha stewart is the brand and uh, <laughs> author mark laner said that she's a combination of amazonian strength olympian omnipotence and emersonian self-reliance wow soon she's going to branch into nuclear weaponry cold fusion and video <laughs> It's going to be amazing to see what she will do next, honestly, because like I said, she's branched into new things even just in the past year. So with that, Jess, I just have one important question for you. Is Martha the worst? I don't think there's a world that I could ever call her the worst. (laughs) I think... I, the whole time I was thinking about Joanna Gaines, Chip and Joanna yes, Gaines, uh-huh. and like she really gave them a platform and all of these other influencers that are now making millions off their own lifestyle uh-huh. brands and like have deals with Target and all this stuff. Like she created that whole roadmap for people. And it's not to say they just ripped it off from her. I mean, obviously, these people are talented as well, mm-hmm. but she kind of carved out this niche in lifestyle and home goods and doing all this stuff so that people can be successful at it and even on tiktok like there are people that do home improvement stuff yeah. that were no doubt inspired by her 100%. um is she cold probably like she's that successful i think you have to have an air of a wall up or you know just keeping people at a distance for obvious reasons but i don't think that makes her the worst i think it makes her a businesswoman that has fought tooth and nail to get 
to where she is mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to risk letting that go. So I don't think she's the worst. I think she has revolutionized influencers and lifestyle stuff. So Definitely. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I went into this already with a very positive view of her. Um, I didn't know about the rest of her life and everything and kind of had that image of we talked about before with like our moms were Martha Stewart fans. But coming to learn that, yes, she's super creative. She's a homemaker. But my word, she is an inspirational force. She is a hustler. She's a grinder. And she yeah, being being called cold and callous and all that stuff, it's, mm, like you said, probably true, but doesn't change my view. If anything, I'm like, admire her more because she has that yeah. grit. She has major grit. Actually, has, she has, and she did it all herself. Yeah, and she has street cred. She's got street cred now. Yeah. She got secondhand high off Snoop Dogg. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the number one street cred you could ever get. Right. <laughs> Oh, Martha. Thank you for everything, Martha. You are a trailblazer and keep killing it on Instagram, man. I I love Seriously, it. Love to see though. it. Love to see I it. I actually looked up her Instagram while we were recording and she has a very funny recent post about pears <laughs> that I would encourage you to read. What does it, it say? Oh, let me pull it up. It says she has two accounts, by the way. One is like her personal account and one is the Martha Stewart oh, brand, nice. yeah. which is interesting. Oops, forgot to pick the pears. Oh, well, next year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a photo of her with the pears. Oh, we love you, Martha. <laughs> There's that dry sense of humor. Let's be friends. <laughs> Seriously. Martha, DM us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anyone else can DM us at podcastdesignpickle.com. Love to hear your Martha Stewart stories. Let us know if you think she's the worst. I mean, uh, maybe we're just biased with this, but... I love me some Martha, but it, I'm sure there are other people who feel differently. Just let us know at podcastdesignpo.com and be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Tell your friends, follow us on the social medias. And if you are a Design Pickle customer that happens to listen to our podcast, reach out. Let us know. We'd love to send you a little gift from the Creatives Are the Worst brand. So let us know at podcast.designpickle.com. Heck yes. All right, Jess, it's Sunday. It's time to go signing off. Dress out about Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Creatives Are the Worst. If you like what you're hearing, or if you think that we're the worst, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you. You can also contact us directly at podcasts at designpickle.com. And a big thanks to Design Pickle for sponsoring the show. Join us next week as we once again try to answer the question, are creatives the worst? <laughs>